You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. Hey River, great to see you guys this morning. Hope you're doing well. How many of you, anybody not have power right now? Has everybody got power back? Everybody doing okay? Okay. Anybody, in all seriousness, and I want to ask both services, anybody need help after that? Lots of limbs and trees down. Everybody okay, recovered? So if you do have a need, certainly let let us know, and uh, we'll see what we can do along the way. But it's great to be with you guys this morning, and uh, glad to see you guys online. I guess you can't raise your hand and tell me if you got power or not, but uh, we do want to make sure we take care of our people, or if you know of someone that really has a need that just can't. Um, I can imagine there's some people out there like that. We want to be a church that's a blessing to our neighbors, and uh, if we can come alongside you to bless your neighbor, then that's even better. That's what we really want to do. So, hey, take your Bible and turn, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1, we're going to look at verses 12 and following, and we're going to talk this morning about integrity. Uh, Integrity is a missing ingredient in the world around us, is it not? Uh, I find it kind of ironic that we're hitting a passage talking about integrity during an election year. (laughs) It's... uh, you know, maybe we should round up all the politicians and uh, kind of talk to them a little bit about that. But I re- the earliest that I can ever remember that my integrity got questioned is I was 12 years old. And it was a youth event for our church. Uh, it wasn't nearly as fun or cool as what we're going to do with the youth next Friday night. But uh, I-, I think we went to the mall to go shopping for our parents. It was near Christmas time or whatever. And and uh, my buddy and I happened to be in a store and... Uh, I don't, you know how that goes. You're supposed to shop for mom and dad, but you're really shopping for yourself, you know, and you might buy a little thing for mom, but but anyway. But we were in a store, and I, I, I don't remember what the store was, but I remember a wall full of, like, different candies and that kind of stuff. Of course, I would be in that store. And, and I remember picking up a piece of candy and looking at it and putting it back, and I stuck my hand in my pocket. And uh, I was oblivious, but the, the, the person at the store said, I saw that. And I looked back and I said, I said, excuse me? And she said, I saw you take that candy. I said, no, no ma'am, I put it back and I put my, no, I mean, she was convinced. And I was one of those deals, like I'm pulling out my pockets and just was convinced that I had, had done that. She just didn't see me put it back. And I remember, what do you do with that? I, I wasn't mad or offended, but I felt like she really thinks I took this. Like, how do I prove to her that I didn't, didn't do that? You know, we are called as followers of Jesus to walk with a tremendous, very high level of integrity. We're going to see this morning that Paul, as he is writing to the church at Corinth, his integrity was being called into question by at least some in the church to the degree that he had to write about it. And he had to say, look, guys, you're misunderstanding some things. I want us to to think a little bit about what integrity really is this morning and really get to the reasons of why we should be people who say what we mean and mean what we say and and, and are people fully of high integrity. So read with me. This is Paul's conversation here is a little difficult. And to be real honest with you, I thought about just only sharing a verse or two and kind of skipping the the challenging parts, but it's important that we understand the Bible, right? So I'm going to read through it, and I'm going to kind of explain it as we go, because I think it's important that we kind of get this. I had to read it two or three times, like, what in the world are you talking about, Paul? Like, your logic is just not mine. So read with me if you would. For 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12, Paul says this, For our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience, that we behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God and so supremely so toward you. He says, look guys, we were not duplicitous. We were not 
like trying to fake you out one way or the other. We have act in this world very simply, full of integrity, not acting like the world acts. It says one thing and does mean something else. We weren't trying to, you know, manipulate things. We live by the grace of God is what he's saying. In verse 13, he says, For we are not writing to you anything other than what you read. I don't have any hidden agendas, no hidden motives, no secret coding here. Anything other than what you read and understand, and I hope you will fully understand, just as you did partially understand us, that on the day of our Lord Jesus, you will boast of us as we will boast of you. I hope that as you kind of understood what we were talking about, I hope when Jesus comes back and everything's made clear, you're going to say, ah, oh, now I get what you're talking about, Paul. We get that. Now go, let's go on. His logic gets a little harder here to follow. He says, because I was sure of this, I wanted to come to you first so that you might have a second experience of grace. In other words, Paul the first time shared the gospel and he kind of wanted to come back and explain it all over again and help them to really understand that salvation by grace. And he said, I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia. Notice he said, I wanted. He wanted to do it, but he didn't. He told him he wanted to come, but he didn't. And that's where they were accusing him of really not doing what he said he was going to do. And I wanted to come visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and have you send me on my way to Judea. Was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? Do I make my plans according to the flesh? In other words, according to a simple nature where I say one thing, but I do something else, I mean something else. He says, do I make my plans according to the flesh, ready to say yes, yes, and no, no? No. At the same time, Am I saying yes, 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 but I really am saying no, 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 no? Am I being deceptive to you guys? He's saying it in a way, he's like, no, that's not what I'm doing. Verse 18, he says, As surely as God is faithful, just as the faithfulness of God is, our word to you has been just that faithful. It's either been yes, it has not been yes or no. Excuse me. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaim among you, Sylvanus or Silas and Timothy and I was not yes and no. In other words, it's not wishy-washy. It wasn't any of this where it wasn't... Paul's saying, I wasn't talking out of both sides of my mouth. I wasn't... I didn't have double meaning. I wasn't messing with you guys. I wasn't trying to get you to think one thing so I could do something else. Wasn't saying that at all. He said, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, in verse 19, whom we proclaimed among you, Sylvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in Him it is always yes. He's saying, guys, in Jesus, everything we say is always true. And it's always yes, it's always affirmative. Always. He says, verse 20, For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. All the promises that God says to us, we can bank on and we can count on them, and they are completely affirmative and trustworthy in Him. And if they're trustworthy in Him, then the stuff we're telling you is trustworthy too, is what He's saying. That is why through Him that we utter our amen. Amen means to say truly, or that's so, or that's right. He says, that's why we're able to say to amen to God, to His promises, that we know that those things are true and real. And we say it to God for His glory. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ, and has anointed us, and who has also put His seal on us, and given us His Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. I'm going to end there. You know, I find it so interesting 
that Paul's integrity is being called, on, being called into question. And it's something over as innocuous as whether or not he's going to stop by on his travels. Hey, I'll come by after dinner and come visit you. And then he doesn't show. And they're saying, hey, you said you're going to do this, but you didn't. And it's, it's so fascinating. You know, sometimes the biggest problems seem to happen over the smallest of things, right? And Paul is having to straighten this out. He's like, guys, you know, and in essence, he says, things happen. When I said I wanted to come to you, I really meant it. I really wanted to. But things happen. I, it, I wasn't able to make it happen. Storms show up. We wanted life groups last week. We had a number of plans, but... Things happen in the middle of it, and his integrity is being questioned, and to the degree that they're saying to him, Paul, you're saying one thing, but we know you really don't care about us. We know that you really mean something else. We know that you're going to do something completely different, being completely called into question. Paul's not being defensive, but he's recognizing that at the very core of this is the whole promise and trustworthiness of God. And that if his word's not reliable as something as simple as coming to visit, then his word is not going to be reliable about anything of the more important things of God and all of that, and he's trying to explain it to them. So I want to share with you this morning just a couple of reasons of why our integrity is important and, and, and how we're to live. But first, I want to kind of define that integrity. You know, what is integrity? In fact, I'm, our life groups are going to talk about that this week, so I hope you can begin thinking about it, and sometimes I think we can kind of take it for granted. My, my definition of integrity is simply, it's when that which is on the inside is a, matches or is the same of that which is on the outside. What you see on the outside is exactly the same as what you see on the inside. Look what Paul says. He says, guys, here's the way we lived our life in verse 12. This is the way we behaved in the world, across the board. Not just towards you, but in everything that we do. Paul was a tent maker. That's the way he ran his business. That's the way he, he took care of his affairs of life. He said, we did everything with simplicity. What that means, simplicity in here doesn't mean devoid of clutter. What it means is a singleness. We didn't have a duplicitous or a double or a triple way of doing things. That, you know, we meant one thing and said something else. That I, He said, I, I, don't, I didn't promise something. I don't promise a guarantee on the tents that I make, but in the fine print, I'm really doing something else. He's saying it's, there's a singleness, an integrity here that's happening. And it's in godly sincerity. I love that word godly sincerity. It literally means son judged. Ladies, if you felt that it was time to replace your old pots and your, your tableware, your dishes, and you went into market and you would go to the local vendor that made those things and sell them, you would probably want to go on a very sunny kind of day because when those clay pots were fired and that, you know, those earthenware were fired, sometimes they would get little cracks in the process and there would be little irregularities and things that you would put your water in, you all of a sudden you would find would have a leak and they would be more fragile and they would break. And so what you would do is you would hold it up to the sun and you could see through where the weak spots were, if there were any flaws, and you would turn it, and you would carefully inspect it before you put your money down and you bought it. Because a, an unscrupulous vendor, who if they were worth anything, should have you know, put those in the discard pile and know that whatever 10% or 20% of the things they made were going to be junk or not worth anything, 
But the unscrupulous vendor would be the one that would try to sell you something that ultimately, you know, kind of hid. Maybe there was some, they would fill that in a little bit and try to hide it. And when you bring it home, it wouldn't be worth anything. What Paul is saying, he says, guys, there is full integrity. We lived our life where our life and everything could be held up to scrutiny, to the sun. That when you looked at it, the way, the way it looked on the outside is the exact way that it looked on the inside. You see, God wants us as we live our lives before Him to live our life in a way that the way we are on the inside matches the way that we are on the outside. It should be the same. There should be no secrecy, hidden agendas and motives. We shouldn't be saying one way, oh, I'd love for you to come over. And all the while, like, oh my goodness, I hope not. We shouldn't act one way with one group of people and act differently with another group of people. As followers of Jesus, we shouldn't put on a mask. Well, okay, i got to put on my Christian mask today. I'm going to be around Christians. I better clean up my act. See, Paul, what Paul is saying is that our whole life ought to be able to be sun-judged before Him, that there's no hidden things going on inside of us, looking to manipulate and to, to twist and to maneuver things You know, we shouldn't be the person at work who takes credit for somebody else's work. We should be people who, even when we're not paying attention or watching, that we're people of integrity. Now, there's times where that can be a little uncomfortable. Because when somebody asks you your opinion of what you think, you've got to swallow hard and be nice and say, wow, I'm not so sure about that, you know. If you're really going to be a person of integrity, it means you're going to... We have to be willing to be a little uncomfortable and walk through some difficult things and have difficult conversations. And it means you've got to be willing to even to your own self to put yourself at risk. When Susan and I and the kids, we came out from uh, canoe camping a few weeks ago, I could see there was a, a forest ranger up there. And, and we have people in our church that are in uniform, and I appreciate you guys and our law enforcement, but i got to tell you, when I'm camping or if I'm hunting, I just really don't want to see a game warden or a ranger. I'm like, oh, my goodness, you know. And I could see it. I could see him a, a mile away. And, and anyway, it was all good. And we got up, and he chatted us up like, you know, he would. And so, did you have a fire? Yeah, where'd you camp? You know, starts off easy. And we told him, and, and, uh, and it was all uh, fine and good. And he said, so, did you have a fire? I'm like, oh, yeah, it was great. It was cold last night. He said, yeah, so did you put your fire out with water? Uh, no, we didn't. In that moment, I could have lied. I could have said, oh, yeah, we did. Because I didn't know it until he told me, actually, but it's illegal to have a campfire in the Adirondacks if you don't put it out with water. You're not even supposed to leave an attendee. He said, well, I could write you. That's a violation. I could write you a ticket. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, I just truly had no idea. And, and so you and I are not supposed to, we're supposed to tell the truth. Even to our own hurt, the Bible says, even when it makes us look bad or we really have blown it, we have to come clean and to be people of integrity. We should be avoiding. We should never be having to watch what we say because what did I tell that person? What am I going to tell this one? We should not ever be in those kinds of situations where to be people of complete integrity. When that on the inside matches what's on the outside, See, Paul, as he's writing to them, he's taking care of some of these things. Things are stirred up in the church, and you guys know what that's like. People can begin talking and motives and all of that and questioning what people are saying. And Paul is like, look, 
we have acted with you with full integrity. And I didn't read the passage earlier, but he then wraps up in verse 4 of chapter 2, this little section, he says, he says, For I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love that I have for you. Paul says, guys, I wanted to come see you. And I'm opening and I want you to hear my heart. It broke my heart that I was having to write some difficult things to you. I wasn't able to visit you, but I am for you and I love you. And I want you to understand that kind of an integrity. You and I should not be the people that try to manipulate buying a gift for somebody, acting like we just really care about them when we're really just trying to manipulate them. Shouldn't be playing games with our relationships with our spouses, trying to you know, be on the good side and kind of do all that. We should not be in that ball game at all. We should be people of complete integrity. Now let me give you a couple of reasons why that is. Number one, for peace. Look what Paul says in verse 12. He says, this is our our boast, not these prideful, but he's like, hey guys, this is, we can say this. This is where we are. And it's the testimony of our conscience. And he goes on and talks about how he's behaved in the world. The testimony, this is what our conscience is telling us, guys. He's saying, guys, our conscience is clear. We're not convicted that we've treated you wrong. We've not wronged you in any way. Paul is saying there's a there's a peace in my soul that before God, even my heart is not condemning me. Have you ever done something in your head knowing that it was wrong in your heart and you do it anyway and then when you walk away, you feel so guilty, right? Even when you aren't acting in integrity in that moment, your heart says, I'm going to pull you back in. That conscience that God put into our souls to to give us a, a moral awareness of right and wrong and of shame and honor and those kinds of things. And Paul says, our, our conscience is clear. You see, when you and I live a life of integrity, when our, we keep our commitments before God and we're not talking out of both sides of our mouth and we're not manipulating things and we're not maneuvering, we can lay our head on the pillow at night and sleep with a good conscience. We can rest. There's a peace. There's a wholeness in our soul. You see, some of you may remember the days before you trusted Christ, what it's like to not live in that way and to be leading that secret life or to be having that situation that you're hiding or to be know you're trying to be careful of what you say and maneuver and all of those things. It gets exhausting after a while. And Paul says, guys... We have a peace. Our conscience before a holy God is, is clear. And, and because there's a peace in our conscience, Paul was then able to say, and I, there's, I'm working to make a peace with you. You see, when you live with integrity, it has a way of helping you to live at peace with other people. Do you like it when you end up smelling a lack of integrity with the people you're relating to that you're doing business with? No. It... It brings all kinds of things into question. You don't trust them anymore. You, you're questioning everything and you begin to doubt their motives and you begin to look at things and analyze. It gets exhausting. And what, what Paul is reminding us this morning is like, guys, I'm, 
I'm living in such a way before God that what you see is what you get. I mean what I say, I say what I mean, and I do what I'm thinking, and I'm thinking, and all, all in the same way that I'm acting, all of those things are in alignment. And He's working to bring peace into the body of the church, the body of Christ there, and letting God work through that. And what he, He's doing it in a way that He's trusting the grace of God. No, notice that verse 12. You see, we don't live according to earthly wisdom. Earthly wisdom in business says, oh, make sure that nobody puts one over on you, but if you're going to make it in this world, you better be ready to kind of sneak it in and put one in on the other guys. You can't run an honest business and get anywhere. You can't get ahead. You've got you've to cook things. And, and Paul says, look, we don't live by that kind of wisdom. We live by the grace of God. You see, folks, what Paul is saying is this. Yeah, I may live in the world, and because I live in the world integrity, I may not make it quite as quickly as others, but I trust in the grace of God in my life. See, when you and I choose to live in integrity, we're trusting that the grace of God is greater than any of the situations that we're walking in. And as we trust in that, there's a tremendous peace in our heart toward God. There's a peace that we have in our dealings, a peace in our lives, and we can live with our life with much more peace. It's the first reason that we should live with integrity. Second reason is, is this. It's because of God Himself. Paul goes on. He's, he's giving us a, a really amazing foundation of where our integrity, integrity comes from. It's not just because it's right and there's some standard out there, but it comes from God Himself. Paul says, he says, look guys, the promises of God, in verse 18, God is faithful. And the promises of God, in verse 20, they find their yes in Him. And what, that's kind of a weird logic. We wouldn't talk that kind of that way. We wouldn't try to analyze and prove something that way in our world today. But what Paul is saying is, is look, God is faithful, and when He gives His promises, they can be counted upon, they are reliable 100%, they can be trusted. God isn't in heaven making us a promise and elbowing the angels saying, check this out, watch how I get this guy. He's not doing that. Like, you could take God at His word. And because God's word means something, our word ought to mean something. We ought to, you know, there was a day in the U.S. where you could, you know, the old kind of, the old thing, you know, you could trust a man's word, a handshake and trust his word. That should still be the reality and truth for us as followers of Jesus. That has nothing to do with the United States. That has everything to do with God. That, that God's word, because we can count on Him as our Father. We can count Him on everything that He says. Put it in the bank and rely upon and because God is a, one of integrity, because God is one whose promises are always made good, we should as well. Let me read you what Psalm 147 says. I read that this week in my devotion, one of, my, one of these days, and uh, just such an amazing little, little section of verses. God's telling us about all the things that He's done. In verse 9 of Psalm 147, it won't be on your screen, but the Bible says this, that He gives the beasts their food, and to the young ravens that cry. In other words, God's providing for all the little creatures around. And then verse 10, it says this, His delight 
is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear Him, in those who hope in His steadfast love. See, what, what he's saying is this, is God's not impressed with our abilities. He's not impressed with our good looks. He's not impressed with our mental acumen. He's not impressed with our physical strength or abilities. God's not impressed with any of that. But you know what God's delight is? His delight is in people that fear Him, that honor Him in His heart, and that put their absolute trust and hope in His steadfast love, His, His loving kindness. In other words, that God has promised His love to us, and He said He's never going to let us down. He said He will always keep us, always save us, always spare us. And what He's looking for is for you and for me to be that kind of person. You see, when we live in that kind of way, trusting in God, we don't have to live as people who lack integrity. We can live in a crooked world and live straight and true because our hope is in God. Our hope is in the grace that He gives and the grace that He lives. And because He is that kind of person, we should as well. See, here's the deal. When you and I lack integrity, even in small things, parents, you and I, we have to be careful even with the things with our kids. We can condition kids early on that, well, mom said she would do it, but we all know that mom really doesn't mean that, you know. We have to be careful as parents to make sure that we follow through. And I've messed up on that as much as you have, so I'm not dinging anybody here, but it's our words should mean something. But when we demonstrate that regularly that we can't be counted on, then what we're subtly saying to all the people around us and our family and our co-workers and our neighbors are this, that, well, you can not only not count on my words, but really you can't count on God's words either. Because we can't on one hand say, well, I'm a follower of Jesus and I believe God and all that He says. But over here, act like a person who lacks integrity. Because people are going to be like, I can't believe you here. Why should I believe you what you're saying about that? See, when you and I live in secrecy, or we live in any of those kinds of things, unreliable, unfaithful, we bring into question the very character and nature of our God. Paul says, look, God is the one who can be counted upon, and because of that, we've lived and we speak in such a way. Third thing, and I'm done. Not only should we live this way because of peace, the peace in our own hearts and having peace in our relationships because of God and God's promises are true and, and we can live our way in this messed up world and not live the way we all learned apart from Jesus, but in simplicity and single focus on God. But notice the third thing, and this is really profound and amazing to me. It's because of our salvation. Look what the Bible says in verse 21 and 22. It's God who establishes us with you in Christ. God makes us firm. He strengthens us. You see, when we say one thing and do something else, it's because we're trying to kind of gain market share. We're trying to, you know, we're trying to work something to our advantage. And Paul's like, I don't have to rely on any double speaking. 
God's the one who makes me firm and strengthens me. God is the one who works in our lives, making us sure in Jesus Christ. I'm not at risk. He's the one who has anointed us. He's the one who's put His seal on us in verse 22 and given us His Holy Spirit into our heart as a guarantee. Paul says this, in essence. He says, guys, because of the salvation that God has brought into our life, we can't help but be people of integrity because it's the God who establishes us in Jesus. Notice that word establishes. It's a very present tense. It means ongoing. You really, when you are studying the Bible and really trying to understand it and grow, you almost really need two translations. You need one Bible translation that's very literal, that when it seems like it's past tense, it's written in past tense and present tense and all of that. But sometimes because the Bible is written in a different language, different culture, continent, if you make it too literal, it gets hard for us to understand. You can read it and be like, what in the world? I'm reading English, but I don't have a clue what it's saying. That's why sometimes translations are hard. You need a second translation that's just very readable and very smooth. But what happens if you get something that's very smooth and readable, you can't always discern nuances that are really there. So it takes both. So in this passage, I want you to notice that when he says God establishes us, present tense, what he's saying is, is God continuously, ongoing, establishes us, strengthens us. The cool thing is that today, God is at work establishing you in your faith. And it's something that He builds on our entire life. It's not just something that He did in the past. I'm grateful for the stuff that God did in the past and it's done in the past, right? I'm grateful that He saved me. I'm grateful that He forgave me. I'm grateful that Jesus died on the cross. I don't ever have to revisit any of that again. It's done, and that gives me strength and courage. But I'm just as excited that God's work isn't just in the past, but He today is establishing me, and He's growing me even more and strengthening me even more and more, and He's doing that for you in Christ as well. And because He's doing that, Paul is like, guys, we live full of integrity because of the work of God in our heart today. Today. And then he goes on and he says, and he's also, and now we're back to past tense again, that's some of that, that careful studying and reading, who has put past, in the past, done. He put his seal on us. It's something that God did in the past. He said, look, when God saved you, he put his seal upon you. In the, in the Roman days, the emperor would put a seal on someone, put his mark, if you will, on, on something, whether it was you know, a letter or there was a seal put on the tomb where Jesus was, was buried. And that seal meant two things. It showed ownership and it showed authenticity of that which is sealed, proof of the goods, okay? It's got a seal. If you buy a, a diamond, they still do this. I haven't bought diamonds in a long time. Shame on me for my wife, but you, you, right, you get this little certificate that tells you like whatever the care, cut and clarity. You guys know what I'm talking about. It's supposed to be like a, you know, a guarantee of all of that. Um, that's what the seal is. Here's what he's saying about us, guys. When God saved you in the past, when you surrendered your life to Jesus, and you trusted Him to be your Lord and Savior, not only did God forgive you of your sins. Not only did you, He adopt you as, your chi- as His child, 
but he put his mark upon you. He sealed you that you belong to him. Because you belong to him as he's one of integrity, you should live in full integrity too. And not only that, because you carry his mark, what he is saying is, is that you are the real deal. He's putting a mark that the way you live, the way you talk, the way you do business, the way you handle your finances, the way you live your entire life should represent and reflect Him because you're carrying the seal of Almighty God on your soul. See, Paul is saying, guys, we couldn't, we, I, we can't lie to you and do what you're accusing of us. God in heaven has put His seal on us. We carry that image and we live out the real deal. You see, the thing is, is when God really saves you, He changes you on the inside and begins to make you different and He establishes you and He puts that mark on you. And then He puts the Holy Spirit, Paul wraps up, in your heart as a guarantee. We know what a guarantee is. If you buy something, you might put like a down payment. You know, maybe you put money down, which is evidence that you want it, you're going to buy it, and you're going to make good on the rest, right? That's in essence what God has done with the Holy Spirit. What God does is He doesn't give us part of the Holy Spirit as the down payment guarantee in our hearts. The, all of the Holy Spirit is the down payment, the guarantee. And the picture is this. The picture is that God has saved you, and He's brought the salvation and the relationship that He has for you, and He's, he's given the Holy Spirit as a tangible reality in your life today to give you a comfort and a strength and a confidence and a security that He is going to finish and bring to you the rest of that salvation that you will experience for all of eternity with Jesus in heaven. You see, you and I should look forward to the future with such confidence and peace and assurance and rest in the future because we can look into our life today and see what the Holy Spirit is doing, has done and is doing in our heart today. That He is that official guarantee. And because the Holy Spirit is in our heart, we live differently. We live as people of integrity. That God's promises can be relied upon. And that when you and I live in such a way that we live after the one that modeled for us and put the Holy Spirit into our heart, that we're to live in that exact same way. To be, as it were, a chip off the old block. You know, the old saying, apple doesn't fall far from the tree. We should be like that with, with our Lord Jesus. Christians too often, and I've heard of it so often, Truthfully, I'm thankful I've not heard of it anyone in our church. But very often people say, well, they say they're a Christian, but I know this, this, and this, and this about how they live. And it completely discredits and undermines their entire life and their whole faith. That should not be for us, folks. It means if you live, if you work someplace, and your boss is unscrupulous, Somewhere along the line, you might have to find a new job to live with a clean conscience and not to be a part of that junk. Some of you would say, Sean, because of that, you should get a different football team because the Patriots are completely unscrupulous. I'm surprised nobody said amen to that. Anyway, because of it, you should be care. You should care about how you live. 
about where you're going, what you're doing, and how those things work, and and how that all plays out. Well, Sean, everybody, you know, there's no job or workplace that you could work in that is perfect and pure. So I'm not I'm not saying that you definitely need to quit, but sometimes it gets to a point where you're like, I can't be associated with this person, with this place anymore. They're just unscrupulous. But the coolest thing is that our integrity flows out of our salvation. We talk about life change so much with our Lord Jesus that as a church we, we are all about that life change that comes by knowing and following Jesus. What that means is this, is that when Jesus saves you, He does all of these things in your life and you live differently. And at the very center of those differences are that you and I become people of integrity. Without Jesus, we're not there, folks. Without Jesus, we'll cheat. We'll do all kinds of things. We'll say stuff just to get by and get out of stuff. But with our Lord Jesus, uh uh-uh. We live under His grace. We trust Him in the world with all of our business and what we say and how we do. And He expects us to represent Him well. So I want to challenge you this morning, River, to look at your life, to ask God, God, where am I not living in integrity? Where is my life not matching what I say I believe and what I say I do? You see, because what I know is this, is that all of us has a tendency to just say, well, of course I live with integrity. I'm not lacking in integrity. And sometimes along the way, we've made excuses and we've gotten used to some things. And it's like our conscience has gotten seared, the Bible says. Think about like well done. Our conscience is supposed to be rare, not medium rare, not medium well, rare, soft, tender, juicy. And sometimes what happens is, is we ignore that conscience and it gets a little burnt. We ignore it again, it gets a little more well done. And ignore it again. It gets a little more well done. Before you know it, we're miles down that road and it's burnt to a crisp. And if that's where, if you're somewhere in that spectrum, ask God to search and know your heart and to show you. His grace and mercy will be to convict you, but He wants to move you back to that well, that, that rare, soft and tender before Him. So I don't know how God has spoken to your heart this morning, but as a people... I challenge us to be a people of integrity. If anybody knows anything about you, they should know that you can be depended upon, that your word is true, that you're reliable, what you say you do, and what you do you say, and they don't ever have to doubt any of that. Be that kind of person. Pray with me. Father, I'm grateful for the Lord Jesus who loved us and gave His life for us. Thank You for what You've done in our past and our present and the confidence you give us as we look toward the future. Father, I pray the Holy Spirit would search our hearts and show us where we've we've ignored that conscience in our past. Lord, I know that once we trust Jesus, that, that usually because of things we've done, our conscience is a bit seared, but the Holy Spirit in our life tenderizes us. And Father, I pray that you would ever make us sensitive that you would help us to live out complete transparency of our faith and of our life. May people see what, and if if people were to see inside of us, may they not see anything different than the outside. 
I pray, Father, we'd have no secret agendas, no hidden anything, but we'd live with a clear conscience before you. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I don't know how God spoke in your heart today, but I pray as you go out, ask God to speak into your heart and to help you and consider your integrity as how you live. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Visit us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or online at riveralbany.com.